Happy New Year, everybody. I hope that the Christmas season was great for all of you. And as we move into a, a new year, what better way to do that and kick that off by uh, just worshiping together? So for all of you online, wherever you're watching from, why don't you stand if you're able and uh, just we'll sing these worship songs today to just kick off a brand new year. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love endures forever For the life that has been reborn His love endures forever Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise, Sing praise. Forever God is faithful forever God is strong forever God is with us forever forever and ever from the rising to the setting sun his love endures forever and by the grace we will carry on his love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. And forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us, forever and ever. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong. Forever God is with us, forever and ever and ever. coming down fear is coming down and lies are coming down by the blood of the lamb and idols are coming down giants are coming down darkness is coming down by the blood of the lamb and 
No weapon formed against me can stand against your word. But you shout it out, every stronghold must come down. Jesus is undefeated, the battle is the Lord. Shout it out, every stronghold must come down. Mountains are coming down. Addictions are coming down. All evil is coming down by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. And no weapon formed against me can stand against your word. Shout it out, every stronghold must come down. Jesus is undefeated, the battle is the Lord. Oh, shout it out, every stronghold must come down. The Lord is our salvation, He is our champion. There is power, so much power in His blood. He holds the keys to freedom. He trampled death and grave. The demons trembled when He rolled the stone away. The Lord is our salvation. He is our champion. Oh, there is power, so much power in His blood. He holds the keys to freedom. He trampled death in grave. Demons tremble when he rolled the stone away. No weapon formed against me can stand against your word. Or shout it out. Every stronghold must come down. Jesus is undefeated. The battle is the Lord. Oh, shout it out. Every stronghold must come down. No weapon formed against me can stand against your word. Oh, shout it out. Every stronghold must come down. Jesus is undefeated. The battle is the Lord. Oh, shout it out. Every stronghold must come down. Amen. Amen. What an encouraging word for us this morning that Jesus is undefeated. The battle is the Lord's. What an amazing way to start off a brand new year. We are so excited that you tuned in with us this morning for service. Uh, if you are tuning in for the first time, we do encourage you to reach out to us, whether through message or phone call, however uh, you wish to do so, so that we can connect with you and, and walk alongside you, whether you need prayer or need anything uh, else. We would love to help you and assist you in that way. So please connect with us at some point as we begin this new year. Just a few quick announcements before we go into the rest of our service this morning. Just a reminder that next week, January 8th, we will be meeting back in person for the new year. So just remember, January 8th at 10 o'clock, we will be here in the building for service. Uh, so mark that on your calendars. And for young adults, uh, that will be the kickoff for them as well. January 8th, 
at 7 o'clock here at the church. We'll, we will be kicking off our program then. And for students, for grade 6 all the way to grade 12, we will be kicking off the brand new year on January 12th. So just keep those dates in mind as we start our new year. Write them on your calendar. We cannot wait to see you and, 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 and do everything uh, that we have planned. Just a reminder as well, for this service, we, it is a communion service, so please make sure at some point you grab your emblem so that you can participate in communion alongside us. And at that point, I'd like to turn it back over to Andrew uh, to lead us in worship. Spirit sound, rushing wind, fire of God, fall within, Holy Ghost, breathe on us, we pray. As we repent, turn from sin, revival embers smoldering, breath of God, fan us into flame. We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, oh, pour your spirit out. For hearts that burn with holy fear, purified in faith and deed, Finders far, strengthen what remains. So we, the church, who bear your light, lamp of flame, city bright, King and kingdom, come is what we pray. Oh, we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out, a holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, and pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out, 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 and let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind. Blowing, 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 move upon our praise. Sons and daughters sing, we can hear the wind blowing, blowing. And let all the redeemed prophesy and sing, and we can hear the wind blowing. Blowing, blowing, move upon our praise. Sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing. And we need a fresh wind. 
the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out oh, pour your spirit out a oh, holy anointing the power of your presence pour your spirit out oh, pour your spirit out pour your spirit out Your mercy never fails me And all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Oh, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And all my life you have been faithful And 
all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God for what we can believe for in a coming year that that as we're into a new year Lord would you just pour out a, a fresh wind of your spirit God in our lives and in our situations because we know that just because a new year is marked and, and a new year starts you do not change you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So we know your goodness, your faithfulness will follow us all the days of our lives. And that doesn't change just because it's a new, it's a new year. So Lord, we, we believe for your blessing in this, in this new year and for a fresh wind of your spirit, God. Thank you, Lord, for for today as, as we get to worship you and, and we'll hear this message from Pastor Scott that he's prepared and that you've been preparing right alongside. That as he shares, God, would, would you speak to us? Would this, be word, this word be something that we can carry throughout this year, God, that, that we'd be encouraged and that we would learn more about you? So thank you again for, for a new year filled with your blessings, God. We come expectantly knowing that, that you can do all things. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning we'll be reading from John chapter 6, verses 30 to 38. It says, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those that the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Well, I'd like to personally say Happy New Year. To all who are watching this service, it is great that you tuned in with us this morning. The first day of a brand new year always brings a lot of excitement as we look ahead to all the possibilities that a new year brings. And obviously, one of the things a lot of people tend to participate in are resolutions for the new year. So goals to reach, deadlines to meet, all in order to build for ourselves something beneficial to help us lead better or more healthy lives. 
In fact, if you were to search most popular New Year's resolutions, here are the 15 most common that you would find. Get in shape. Lose weight. Enjoy life to the fullest. Spend less slash save more. Spend more time with family and friends. Get organized. Learn something new. Travel more. Break your smartphone addiction. Eat at home more. Drink less. Quit smoking. Reduce stress. Get more sleep. And floss regularly. Now that last one in particular, I did question. Because no matter how hard you floss, that won't stop your dentist from running you through with, with razor wire. Sometimes feel like it. And I'm just saying that as a warning because I know for the new year, many of us have already scheduled a dentist cleaning coming up. I, at many points in my life, made resolutions to try to do something better in order to achieve a better quality of life. I remember last year, I made the commitment to drink more water. And then I ended this past fall season with three consecutive kidney stones. So I have really learned my lesson now, I, I promise, and I am drinking more water. But the problem, though, and as I kind of hinted right there, is that many of these new goals are left unreached. Many people who try to do these things thinking they can reach a good life, quote-unquote, fail to do so. And it could be for any number of reasons. They could be busy. They realize they set goals that are unrealistic, or they realize that maybe that's not actually the right goal to set for themselves at that point in time. Maybe it can be done out of trying to escape your past and creating a better future for yourself. Whatever the reason may be, though, a lot of these things that we try to do in the new year to reach a better, more satisfying life aren't actually things that will bring us to that point. But that won't stop our market-driven culture that we live in from trying to convince us to self-improve in order to, to live the good life either. Today is only January 1st, the very first day in a brand new year. But I guarantee you that especially in the last few weeks, you'd have started to see deals for gym memberships and the like, while also seeing sales on healthier food products, maybe even blog posts that are self-motivating, self-empowering in order to get everyone moving toward the goals that they set for themselves. This time of year has us hooked at examining our lives, how we feel, how we look, what we're moving away from, and what we can expect in the future. And it really empowers people to try making the changes they, that they feel need to happen in order to achieve a better quality of life than they had the year before. In the midst of all this hustle when it comes to the new year, the true meaning of the good life can be missed out on. The truth is that as followers of Jesus, we have access to the good life. And this mentality of trying to do more in order to achieve a better life also applies to our spiritual lives as well, right? Setting goals to serve more, to give more, to love others more, and even to be part of a church community more. We set these as well because we feel in our heart of hearts that we aren't where we should be in our relationship with God, and these goals would surely be what is needed to set that right and start living a better life. And these goals, they are good goals, don't get me wrong. Just like how other New Year's resolutions are also very good things to set for ourselves. But like, just like those New Year's resolutions, these can be, get dropped pretty quickly as well, in a very short amount of time after setting them. And I say this knowing full well that I've been right there with you. Right? I've set for myself lofty goals in, in an effort to better myself physically and spiritually, only for me to not follow through on those lofty ambitions to live a better life. And this idea had me wondering, why? 
Why do these goals often get left behind so quickly when it comes to the new year? Isn't the good life a a better, more improved life worth working hard for? Isn't it worth setting aside the proper time or maybe even the finances for? Isn't it worth it in order to get healthy? Isn't it worth it in order to go to church? See, we have dreams. We have the discipline. Or we, rather, we have the dreams, but the discipline it just isn't there in order to see it through. And this lack of achieving a better life isn't due to a lack of believing or positive thinking. Again, these goals are good goals that we set for ourselves. In fact, many of them stem from positive thinking, from good thinking. The problem is how much we value what we believe will give us the good life. In John chapter 6, the passage we read this morning, We see Jesus perform two miraculous feats leading up to the point in the text that we read from. We we can read in John chapter 6 about him feeding the 5,000, and we can read as well about Jesus walking on water. By the time he says the words that we read this morning, the people are clamoring for more. They want more from Jesus, more miracles, specifically though, more food. They believe that since Jesus did that miracle of feeding the 5,000, he could surely go above and beyond and give them all that they would need. Instead, though, when Jesus addressed the crowd, what they received wasn't what they thought they needed. Rather, it was the spiritual lesson behind the previous miracle. And just like that, the response of the people changed towards Jesus in an instant, clearly showing that even though what they wanted could be considered good, They didn't value what they believed would make their lives better, which was the truth that Jesus was trying to convey in unambiguous terms. The good life only comes from the Heavenly Father. And so the question for us to mull over this morning as as we explore the text is simply, do we value the teachings of Jesus to be what it is that leads us into the best life possible. So our first point this morning is this. What can you do? As previously mentioned, the crowd that heard Jesus's words here followed him from the feeding of the 5,000. As well, there were Jewish leaders who heard the excited talk about how Jesus fed so many people so miraculously, and they wanted to see it happen again. Not only that, but the people who did follow Jesus wanted more Food. Jesus' questioners hoped to manipulate him into providing daily bread for them, just as Israel had from God during the Exodus. They even knew how to quote scripture in the attempt to get Jesus to do what they had wanted. It's like a crowd of seagulls at a beach, right? Disgusting creatures, man. Like you're just there trying to eat your lunch, and all of a sudden you are surrounded. And if you feed one, you will be expected to feed them all, and they will swarm you until they get their way, especially if their way is a free buffet of your food. In fact, my friends and I, like we knew, my friends and I knew these things were just scavengers in high school because we ate outside at lunch all the time, and we concocted a plan during our grade 12 year to try and lure a few seagulls into our school to set loose using uh, pieces of our food for lunch, but... Uh, but the seagulls got wise. They had a one-track mind. They took our food and then left. It didn't quite work out the way we wanted to. These people were hungry. 
They were hungry. They wanted an unlimited supply of food from Jesus because that would lead to a better quality of life for them. And that's understandable, right? That is more understandable than most reasons to do things. Food is important. Nourishment is important. And they just met someone who fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. That alone would cause any growling stomach to want more from this amazing man who performed the miracle in the first place. And so the people followed him, expecting for him to do exactly that, or even for themselves to learn how to perform God's works out of their own effort. The sense behind their question seemed to be, just tell us what to do. Just tell us what to do so that we can do, so that we can get, rather, what we want from you. We want your miracle bread. Tell us what to do to get it. But Jesus' response goes in a different direction by basically saying to them, God doesn't want your good works. He just wants your faith. Jesus first and foremost commanded them and, and us as well not to do, but to trust. If we want to do the work of God, it begins with trusting Jesus. We have officially welcomed our second daughter into the world. Actually, she's a month old right now, which is absolutely insane to me. I thought time flew having one kid, but it just doubles when you have the second. And, and she's absolutely beautiful and, and, and such a joy for me as a, to be her father. And I see so much of a father's desire for their child in Jesus' response to the people here. A parent does not only want obedience from their child. A relationship of trust and love is even more important to the parent. The hope is that obedience grows out of that relationship of trust and love. God wants that pattern, that same pattern, in our relationship with him. At this point in the text, the people who followed Jesus were getting frustrated with him. They went for the miracle, and when they didn't get it, they asked things of Jesus. Like, what can you do? If I don't get what I want... If you can't give me the bread, what can you do? And I laugh at that line because can you imagine giving that attitude to the Son of God? Like, like to be fair, they didn't know who, who he was. They didn't recognize or understand him, but still. Right? So what can you do? After all, Moses gave bread from heaven to our ancestors while they were in the wilderness. They're quoting this from their knowledge of the scriptures. Psalm chapter 78 verse 24 says, He rained down manna for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. Rabbinic tradition of the time said the Messiah would duplicate this miracle. However, when Jesus' teaching contradicts their traditions, the people expect Jesus to do something bigger and grander and more spectacular than that. And this is where Jesus responds that it wasn't Moses who gave them the bread, it was God. And now God has given them the true bread who comes down from heaven and gives life to everyone. Which leads into our second point this morning. Spiritual bread. If you really know my wife and I, you would know that if a restaurant serves us free bread before the meal, that bread will be devoured. Doubly so if it is unlimited free bread. And oftentimes we love it so much that it fills us up even before the meal that we ordered and, and expect to pay for uh, with our money arrives at our table and we're left wondering what to do next. Right? Because we filled ourselves on the free bread and now we have to somehow have room for the food that we are paying money for and not let it go to waste. But bread is good like that, though. Bread is such a basic food item that, it sometimes, that sometimes even, it even becomes synonymous for food in general. 
You know, the phrase is sometimes thrown around, breaking bread, to indicate the sharing of a meal with someone, for example. Bread also plays an essential part of the Jewish Passover meal. The Jewish people were to eat unleavened bread during the Passover feast and then for seven days following as a celebration of the exodus from Egypt. And like we discussed in our last point, when when the Jewish people were wandering in the desert for 40 years, God rained down bread from heaven to sustain the nation. So what we read from Jesus next in response to the people who followed him should have held significant meaning for them. In verse 35 of our text, Jesus responds to their desire for this bread that he talked about by saying that he, Jesus, is the bread of life. This response from Jesus draws the distinction between physical bread and spiritual bread. These people needed to focus on God and his requirement of faithful belief rather than ritual obedience to the laws of Moses. Just as Jesus pointed out that material food is temporary, but spiritual food is eternal. He now suggests that the manna their ancestors received from heaven was merely a physical item, while the true bread from heaven is something else entirely. And that it is the spiritual that is needed to achieve the good life, not the physical. When Jesus spoke with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, he mis- she rather misunderstood his spiritual teaching in a material way. When Jesus mentioned living water to her, she asked him to give her that water to drink. And whether sarcastic or serious, her response showed that her focus was on actions or works or material things. The rest of Jesus' conversation with the woman was meant to explain the spiritual nature of his claims. This verse is another example of Jesus needing to correct confusion between physical and spiritual matters. Jesus has been speaking to the crowds about being the true bread from heaven. Rather than looking to perishable food, the people ought to pursue eternal food. That food comes only in the form of belief, specifically in the one who God sent. Jesus has just made a clear statement that the bread of God is a person who comes from heaven, who gives life to the world. And just as the Samaritan woman once did, these people completely missed the point and once again ask him for something material. This verse also represents the first I am statement in John's gospel. In each of these instances, Jesus uses the phrase I am in reference to himself, providing perspective on his mission and his ministry. Here he says, I am the bread of life. The people have come to Jesus looking for another miracle and for more free food. Right? Instead, Jesus is simply saying they need to be seeking the true bread from heaven in order to obtain eternal life. And by now, I hope we have all come to realize and to to understand that Jesus calling himself the bread of life doesn't mean literal bread. Instead, Jesus is saying that he is the one sent by God to fulfill the spiritual need inside our hearts. The rest of verse 35 clarifies this by saying, Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Compare this for a moment to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and we can get a clearer picture. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When Jesus says, Those who come to him will never hunger. And those who believe in him will never thirst. He is saying he will satisfy our hunger. 
and he will satisfy our thirst to be made righteous in the eyes of God. All of what Jesus says to them here is just, it is very rich and very phenomenal. First, by equating himself with bread, Jesus is saying that he is essential for life. He is essential for life. Second, the life Jesus is referring to is not physical life, but eternal life. Jesus is trying to get the Israelites thinking off of the physical realm and into the spiritual realm. He is contrasting what he brings as their Messiah with the bread that he miraculously created the day before for the crowd of 5,000. That was physical bread that perishes. He is the spiritual bread that brings us the good life, eternal life. And here Jesus points out that the crowd has seen more than enough miracles and more than enough proof and more than enough amazing feats to realize the truth that he is trying to explain to them. And yet the people stubbornly refuse to believe. Instead, they ask for even more miracles, as if that would finally convince them. And, and here they show how much they truly value what they believe would get them the good life. They put their value in the food itself and the physical benefit of the miracle, instead of the miracle worker and his message of salvation to them. And our third point, see and believe. In these last few verses of our passage this morning, Jesus tells the people looking for more from him that even though they have seen the things he has done in the name of the Father, that they still don't believe in him. And he follows that up by giving an invitation by way of a promise, which is actually pretty incredible when you, when you, when you read it. It says, starting in verse 37, However, those that the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Everyone who sees what Jesus has done and believes that he did it for them will receive the good life, knowing that by choosing to see and to believe, we are given the promise that he will never reject us. As Jesus invited them to come to him, he also reminded them that he was safe to come to. He wasn't interested in his own agenda, but in his Father's will. And what is his Father's will? Well, John 3.16, I think, summarizes it best. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is the will of the Father that Jesus so passionately lived out here on earth, a love so deep for us. That whoever chooses to see and whoever chooses to believe will receive eternal life because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is why we came. That is why, or that is why he came rather. That is why we celebrate Christmas the way we did. And, and, and why the arrival of the newborn Jesus matters so much. Jesus is an expression of God's indescribable love for the world, for you and for I. And so the question for us today is this. How much do we value? How much do you value what you believe? Because we can say we love God and we want a relationship with him. And we know that the outcome of that relationship is truly the good life. But how much do we actually value our relationship with God over what we can get out of him? Because isn't that so backwards for a relationship? 
right? Any relationship on earth, if someone says they're only in it for what they can get out of it and not for the person, that relationship is destined to fall apart. Because there's no value held for the other person, simply what it is that they can get out of it for themselves. That's the mindset these people who followed Jesus had. There was no value held for the person of Jesus and his teachings and, or his message, just the food they wanted from him. We just celebrated Christmas, so think of the gifts that were opened. And if you don't have kids, think of when you were a kid. Suppose, suppose a child goes to their parents and says, if you don't get me this specific toy, I will no longer consider you my parent. My love for you is dependent on you giving me this. Right? That's not healthy. That's not healthy. How would the parents feel? You see, the parent might buy that toy to show the child that they love them, but the child shouldn't love their parents because of what they can get. They should love their parents because they are their parents. And do you see the difference in approach? Following God doesn't mean we will never get our bread. In fact, he may very well give us some of what we enjoy. But we shouldn't be following God for what we can get from him. We should follow God because we love him and we want to be with him. See what Jesus is getting at. The crowd doesn't want him. They want what he can give them. Jesus is trying to show them that they are missing the point. He's trying to tell them that this bread they want pales in comparison to the eternal bread he has for them. They are settling for something much less than what Jesus has for them. They've settled for what they think would give them the good life and not what Jesus was offering them, which is the real good life, eternal life. The declaration Jesus makes in this passage of Scripture that we read this morning, it carries huge implications for what it means to become and to be a disciple of Jesus. To come to Jesus is to look to him and believe that he is the only one who can satisfy our soul forever. To come to Jesus is to taste and see that he is good and, and, and in him the fulfillment of all your desires. To believe in Jesus is to experience an eternal pleasure that far outweighs anything that we can try to do or earn for ourselves. He has come down from heaven to do the will of the Father, which is to set you and I free and, the offer, and to offer the gift of the good life to all who come to him and believe. It can't just be about what we can get from Jesus because that won't fulfill the longing within our soul that, 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 that we have for him. May we be a people and a church that values Jesus and his teachings above all else. And may out of that, that, that flow and outward expression of his love towards all people in, in, in our community and, and our world, may that flow out of our relationship with him. That, I think, is the greatest resolution that we can have for the new year. And I'd like to invite Andrew back up uh, as we close off service this morning. As we begin 2023, it feels weird to say that, doesn't it? To me, it still feels like, I don't know, early 2000s. But 2023, there are so many people who have made decisions and goals to help better themselves in some way for the year ahead. And maybe you are one of those people. And like I said at the beginning, goals are good. Goals are good. And we can even ask God to help us with these goals. We can cry out to God asking for help and achieving these goals and trying to reach a better life through them. But are you doing these things because you value God and the life he has for you or because of what you want to get out of him? 
because only one of those ways leads to the good life. And Jesus says, unless you're worshiping me, unless I'm the center of your life, unless you're trying to get your spiritual thirst quenched through me and not through these other things, unless you see that, that the solution must come inside rather than pass, pass by outside, then whatever you pursue will leave you hungry and thirsty for more in the end. Jesus is asking you today to come and believe in him to receive the good life. Doing so knowing that we have the promise from Jesus himself that when we do come to him, when we come to him, when we see him, when we believe in him, that he will never reject us. He will always welcome us with open arms as a father does for his children. How amazing is it to start off a new year with a promise like that? Come to Jesus today and start your new year off with the life that he has planned for you because the life that he has for you truly is the good life. Please join me in worshiping one last time this morning before we go into a time of communion. is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame the holy trust in Jesus name in Christ the together. So if you haven't grabbed your emblems, now would be the time to do so. And usually I, get, I give instructions on how to open these little ones, but I think I can manage on my own this morning. But it's only fitting, I believe, that as we look to Jesus being the bread of life, that we honor and celebrate his life, his death, and his resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 
verse 23 to 24 says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together this morning. Verse 25 to 26 says, In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the start of a brand new year and all the possibilities that come along with that. Lord, we are believing for, for a good year for our friends, for our families, for our church. And God, within all the expectations and all the, all, all the goals and all the busyness that, that, that surrounds our lives, Lord, may we stop and just pause in your presence. May we understand the weight of your love for us. How it calls us to you. God, may we strive to always put you first. To realize that the good life is with you and with you alone. We thank you for your life, Jesus. We thank you that you gave your life for us. An act that is indescribable. God, we thank you. Please bless us throughout our week ahead. May we gather back together next Sunday to worship you expectantly for all the things you are going to do. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for service. We are excited to see you in person next week, God willing. Have a great week ahead.